Latinos Out Loud podcast. Yo, 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 yeah. One of them is like 700 grams of fat. You ever look at the back <laughs> of the box? They're almost as bad as the glazed cinnamons, like the glazed cinnamon oh, buns. Yeah. Those oh, are like good. 17,000 grams. I used to be a ring ding guy. Oh, ring I, ding I, guy. I see you as a ring ding guy. I do. Ring a ding ding. Ring a ding ding. Ring a ling a ling. Uh, now Java. I eat one. I used, to eat, I used to eat two in a row. Like, And now if I eat a bite of one, I'm like, ugh. You could Jeez. taste. You could taste the grasa, can't you? Mm. You could taste it like when you eat a ring ding or a devil dog or a funny bone <laughs> or a cinnabon. Girl, you look like a cinnabon. You know, you just taste it at a certain age, right? I don't know. In my what is this? My fourth de- decade of life. I could definitely like as soon as I bite into it and it's like on my tongue and it's going down the esophagus through peristalsis. <laughs> yeah, I can like taste. This may cause a future heart attack. This may cause coronary issues. Like, but it tastes so good. Oh man, we I went, went on I, a tangent. No, you went on what? You went on what? We went on a, a Drake's cakes tangent. But go ahead, go for it. No, I mean, for even just you're just talking about unhealthy stuff. I went to the movies uh, recently to see, you know, uh, to see the Batman. Right? Ooh. Um, shout Ooh. out to uh, Gil Perez Abraham. Yes, for hooking it up. Former uh, guest of the, well, he hooked up your tickets. He was an actor in the movie, but you know, I'm yes. sure he hooked up the but movie because in some of way, that. Because yeah, of him. I mean, oh, shout out to him. Yeah, and also <laughs> shout out for the studio, Warner Brothers, for hooking it up, I, hooking up I, the free screening. And yeah. shout out to Stephen Hartline, who always hooks it up too over at the Market Company. Sorry to cut you off, but you know, you're on. You're shouting some really good people I out. Am. I want you to I jump am. in. Okay, I'll so, stop. um, but the point of me bringing that up is. Like I had movie theater popcorn oh, for the first time in a long shit. time. Love it. And I think it affected me a little bit. You know what I mean? Like there, it was like, it started hitting me like an hour into the movie. And I, I really enjoyed the Batman, but it was a three hour movie. So I forgot how, how hardcore like buttered movie theater, buttered popcorn can hit you. Like that shit was going through you. huh? Yeah. Like I needed like water <laughs> on my face after I like, I think I passed out. Like an hour in for like five minutes and then I woke up again. You know what I mean? Jamie, I wasn't going to say anything, but your face is a tinge of like movie theater butter yellow. It's a little jaundice. And I now I see why, but you can't be doing that at this. You that, can't like just get a that little. Movie theater butter is, is, that movie theater butter is worse than like snorting cocaine. <laughs> it's How? that. <laughs> Like I think I legally died for like a thirty seconds in the theater because I I, I went crazy with it. I put so much butter. How many pumps? How many lines did you do? He oh, pumped man. and pumped. He pumped. I pumped, pumped it up. I pumped he it pumped, up. Like, pumped like, it up. Pumped like, it up. Like the old school Nike <laughs> Nike uh, Reebok shoes or Reebok shoes. Oh God, uh, I wanted a pair of those so badly. Uh, <laughs> um, I was I was pumping a little bit too much. Uh, oh shit! And it was because I hadn't had it in a while. Like I had been to the th- movies. 
maybe once or twice before that during, you know, during the pandemic. But when I went to those other screenings, I, I didn't have the popcorn. But that, you know, I got to the Batman early and I was like, you know what? I'm going to get me some popcorn. And so I forgot that it wow. Fs you up. Like you it puts in. you. You get the I the, the movie theater popcorn gives you the most itis out of any food or snack you could yeah. have. Yeah. There's Facts. definitely some sort of, I don't know what in the popcorn butter, especially, right? Like the same stuff that goes in the Chinese food that you, you know, the bad stuff. The Yo, MSG. MSG? Yeah. yeah. They have MSG? Crack butter. It's called crack I'm, butter. I'm crack starting butter. rumors, but it's something like MSG. Yo, quick question about those pump sneakers. Okay, I have a flashback. Uh, I was there with a friend. We were probably of pubescent age. And I remember him asking me like, hey, Rachel, you want to pump up my sneakers and see what it does? And I was like, sure. Oh. And I just like stayed pumping. I wonder, did it ever do anything? Did those pump, the, did the pump do something to the shoe? As former owners of the sneaker, do you remember? Do you know? I don't think I ever owned it. I don't know if I could afford those sneakers. Oh, back wow. Yeah, I didn't own any of that. No, yeah, I think Same I had here, like, the yo. ghetto version of yeah. it. I think I had, that, I think I had the one that deflated. I think I had the pump that deflated. <laughs> 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 it's like a basketball that didn't have any air in it. Because <laughs> that oh. was the thing. It was like a basketball on the shoe. On the uh right on the right. top yeah, of the shoe on the, on the tongue of the shoe on the, the shoe. on the tongue on the tongue of the shoe and, and you would pump it you pump, pump it, it pump yeah, it yeah, yeah. and you would feel some sort of airflow but I always wondered what is it like an Air Max gel kind of thing where the air went into the sole of the shoe and yeah, could blow the was, kid right? up or yeah. was it just like a fake thing like you know those stress the stress balls or like you know the fidget spinners where you just you know it does nothing. It just I don't goes... know. Buster Brown never sold those sneakers. That's why I used to shop with you. Shout out to Buster Brown. Shit. I was a Buster Brown kid too, yeah. yo. I haven't heard about the Buster Brown in years. Holy those hard ass leather shoes. They were mad uncomfortable for girls. What? But they la- they lasted forever. That's for sure. They Your mother bought did. you one pair, and they lasted t- a year or two. Yo, she had me wearing them until my toe stuck out the hole on top. You know how, like, the girl's shoes have the hole on top? Like, mom, my pinky nail is protruding from the top of the shoe. I think it's time for a new pair. Penny loafers? (laughs) Did did, did you have to rock penny loafers? I rocked them. I did. I got to rock. You, Frank! Did did they come with pennies? Did they come with the pennies? No, no, they didn't come with the pennies. They didn't. I, I think the cool thing to do was to put the penny in the penny loafer. And rock the penny in a penny loaf. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> that's such a weird style. When you think of it now, that's such a weird style message. Like, you're, the message you're sending out to everyone is like, hey, I like to rock shoes with pennies on them. Like, it's yeah. such a weird statement. I remember I rolled up to school and I had one of them, like, green-ass pennies, you know? Like, ma, you couldn't get me a shiny penny? <laughs> you gave me, like, one of those oxygenated, like, decrepit green ones with the sulfur coming out of it? I'm like, oh. God! You couldn't get me a quarter loafer? Like, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> or, like, even a Dominican peso loafer is better than this. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> man. Know? Yo. Um, okay, so we do have a guest today, do, do we? Do oh, we, yes, yes do we, we do. Uh, do we have a guest? Ooh, we have quite yes. the guest. What? Sure do. You guys, I mean, this has been a long time coming because we've been talking about her for quite some time, right, you guys? Yeah. And I've also had the pleasure of knowing her for, I wouldn't say quite some time, because that implies, you know, quite some time, but I would say I've had the pleasure of being on a panel with her. uh, And also, I think there's a future conference that we're both going to be speaking at. So I'm really, really excited, um, Mm -hmm. especially to see a 
fellow uh, BIPOC doing things at the Today Show. Like, yo, it, it's amazing what this woman is doing. She was formerly the digital director of O, Oprah's Magazine. You know? Ooh. Yeah. Oh. I knew you were going to... I knew that was coming, so I just... I'm glad you filled in that space with it. Okay. Uh-oh. Um, That's official. Uh-oh. <laughs> and... Just when you thought that was enough of an intro, but she's also an adjunct professor at NYU's Digital and Print Media Master's Program. So I'm really, really excited to talk to her. Let's get into this interview right now with Ariana Davis. All right. My favorite part of the show, my favorite part of the broadcast here. Okay, this is so exciting. I just want to welcome and everybody, wherever you are listening to your podcast in your car, you might be mopping with some Mr. Clean or Mistolin or Fabuloso, whatever it is that you use. Uh, But please put your hands together for the editorial director of the Today Show and the author of What Would Frida Do, Ariana Davis! Okay, we are going to get to an interview, but first we've got to have some fun. Okay? There's a five minute musical intro, and once that's done, then we can start. I just want to make that my alarm clock every morning. Like, that, if that's going to wake me up in the morning, that would be amazing. Sound the accordions, please. Give it a minute. Speaking of morning, like you work for the Today Show, like are you gonna go to sleep right after this interview? Oh, Ooh, good word. Yeah, yeah. I I am on grandma hours. Like it's I am not a morning person at all. So in order for me to wake up for my new hours, I literally have to be in bed by like l- absolute latest is like 10 p.m. and that's pushing it. Like it's it's, wow. it's yeah. I know it's not. It's 10 p.m. Do you know where Ariana Ariana sleeping at now? <laughs> I know it's it's senior citizen hours, but you know, it's all, it's all worth it. But I, it was the one thing I think when I, when I took this new job where I was like, am I going to be able to do like the morning thing? But you get used to it. It's just like going to bed earlier. And like now suddenly I'm like, Ooh, like, okay, it's six. Let's do this. Um, Yeah, that's what my question was. What is your, what's your arrival time? And I gave everyone a sense of what you do, but could you give us some color to that? What is your role at the Today Show? Yeah, so I am still working from home, so my arrival time is like five minutes after I open my my eyes. For now. For right now. Um, so I am editorial director of, of today of all things digital for today. So um, that means our website, social channels, all that good stuff. So luckily for for me, for right now, we're still um, working from home mostly. I'm going in one day a week. So um, typical day right now is I'm usually waking up around uh, six so that I can be online and like talking with my team. Everything on my team happens on Slack. So. Basically, what I do is I'm essentially the editor-in-chief of our website. So we're publishing, like, most days between, like, 50 to 75 stories. It's really insane. It's a huge team. It's a really big site. Um, Because in addition to kind of covering what's happening on the Today Show, we're also a news site. So we're covering, like... Last night, Tom Brady decided, actually, I'm not retiring. Or, like, um, you know, I, I, I guess. Uh, yeah. <laughs> right. What the hell? You're a Tom Brady fan? 
I guess. Well, Frank. Um, <laughs> well, it's hot. Yeah. But like, you know, everything yeah. from like, we don't cover a lot of hard news, but like Ukraine and Russia, you know, everything that's going on there, you know, what is like our way into that? Them are covering what's happening on the show. Them are covering constant like celeb pop culture stuff. Um, so basically as editorial director, I'm like the, you know, the person who is, um, you know, I'm, I'm looking at our lineups every day. I'm making sure that all the stories that are com- are being churned out are accurate and that they feel good and they feel right for the brand. You know, editors are, are pitching stories to me, um, you know, running things by me for gut checks. Uh, I started in November and I'm still pretty new, but a big part of the reason I was brought in was to help us figure out we have a huge audience. We have over, you know, between 50, 50 million and 60 million visitors a month, which is insane. Wow. Um, and wow. so the, the website is really big. And it's like, obviously, we have this this connection to the Today Show, which is iconic. But how do we expand our digital presence to not just be known as the Today Show's website, but like to become known as today.com? So it's a big mm. task. But I, you know, I've been here since November. And so in addition to like, kind of doing the day-to-day tasks. I'm also in a lot of meetings and like doing a lot of brainstorming on my own and figuring out how to kind of make my mark on this team and on this brand and take today to the next level digitally. Cause like most things, you know, some people will never see the today show, but they will only ever interact with us on TikTok or they will only ever Google a random story and end up on our website, or they will only ever see our Facebook page. So it's like taking all that into account and figuring out how to like take this brand to the next level. Wow. That's quite a task. And you were recently at Oprah mm-hmm. at O Magazine. Um, it, was it a similar role or, or was it different? Yeah. So I, fun fact is that I started my career at Oprah as an intern back in the day. That was my, my second job out of college. I, my first job was the New York Daily News. And then I interned post-grad at Oprah. And then full circle moment, like 12 years later, I, I returned again to launch the website for Oprah Magazine. So Oprah Mag never had its own website. Um, you know, was, was a little late to the party digitally. And it was Oprah finally was like, what's up? Like, we got to figure this out. We got to figure like, you know, and so uh, it's a joint venture um, with Oprah's team and Hearst magazines. And so um, I came back to work for Hearst again as a digital director and basically like from scratch, had to hire a team, had to figure out the vision, had to kind of find the middle ground between like what Oprah wanted and also what Hearst wanted, which is like traffic numbers, you know, they're, that they're more the business and then she's more of the like, but I want the super soul. Like I want that part of it. So, um, yeah, that was my job for about, for about three years. That was a wild ride. I mean, starting something from scratch mm. and doing it with the pressure of the Oprah name is, is not for the faint of heart, but it was amazing. And I learned so much. And I think that experience like really teed me up to now do this on, you know, this level for today. Now, how involved is someone like, you know, obviously the magazine has Oprah's name, but how involved is she in the what goes, what content goes into the website? Is it something where it's like you occasionally hear that she has an opinion about something or is it like she's she's like hands on? Or she's hands off. She was definitely vocal. I mean, it wasn't like every single story. It wasn't like she was in there like editing. But, um, you know, she was not afraid to say if she had an opinion or a thought or to send an idea or to ask us to do something. Or um, she definitely was involved. And it was the same with the magazine for many years. Um, You know, she was, I think, more involved than most people would think. It's definitely not a situation where she's just the face. Mm. Um, She, You know, her name is on it and she cares about it deeply and she really cares about the content. So, um, 
yeah, there was definitely those like unexpected calls or texts or emails. Where you're I just need like... my favorite things, favorite things in the front page. <laughs> I used to love, I used to love her favorite. That's how I used to get all, like I used to get a lot of Christmas uh, gift ideas from just looking. And now, you know, she doesn't have the TV show. So you got to look online for the favorite things. So exactly. Sure. Yep. That's, that's my Christmas list. I'm like, there's some things a little too expensive. But, like, <laughs> yeah. For the most part, I'm like, I'm going to get my mom this soap collection go that I saw like, on Oprah's favorite thing. Yeah, go to like the, yeah, the, yeah. the lower end of the spectrum for sure. The lower end. <laughs> <laughs> the discount well, rack of, of Oprah's favorite thing. Yeah. Uh, something else that needs to be on your Christmas list, holiday list, birthday list is what would Frida do? A Ooh. guide to living boldly mm. by mm. our girl Ariana Davis who's going to show us a uh, copy of a book on her Zoom. Put it on right here. Look at that beautiful cover. Look at your book. Look at I your would hang book. That. I would hang that cover. That's a oh, great looking nice. cover. I have it on my wall. That's, the, that's in, nice. my, in, my, in oh. my other room. But yeah, yeah. Yes. Dope. Tell us all about this guide to living boldly. We love Frida. We actually just had Vicente Fusco, the associate producer from Lighthouse, who's producing the immersive Frida Kahlo exhibit, which announced a few more cities since we've interviewed him. Ooh. Yeah, including... Is New York I, there, Rachel? I, I believe New York is on the list, yeah. right? Did I make yes. that up? And Toronto and San Francisco. Nice. So mm-hmm. it looks like it looks like it's coming. Um, but don't quote me officially on New York. Officially, I saw San Francisco and Toronto. Okay, um, so go check that out. But let's talk about this wonderful book, um, Ariana. Tell us about your inspiration behind writing this book, and what readers can take away from it. You know, I always say, I feel like Frida found me with this book. It's the crazy, it's the weirdest story. I was, so I I was at Oprah, I had just started. I was in the phase of like, I think we were getting ready to launch the website. I was working 24 seven, had like zero brain energy to do anything else. And then um, an agent reaches out to me from who was working with Hachette Books and said that basically, you know, they were thinking about in this time of women's empowerment and encouraging women to like, you know, live their best lives, that it would be interesting to do a story, to write or publish a book around the life of, of the iconic Frida Kahlo. And they were asking around and apparently my name came up several times as somebody who is like obsessed with Frida. So, you know, you're a real Ooh, Frida fan, but like word on the street, word on the street is like, this girl is like a little obsessed with her. Um, so, yo, yeah. they talk about you, yo. That's amazing. <laughs> People just bring up Frida like, um, Ariana, you know her problem. Yeah, it could be beneficial. Right, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, so they reached out and I was like, this is an amazing opportunity, but like I couldn't think, I was like, how is it possible that I could write a book and also have this day job where I'm launching this huge thing? Um, and I really agonized over it because I, I wanted to do it. I've been a bookworm since I was a kid. I've always wanted to write a book that's always been a dream of mine. And I've been obsessed with Frida for, you know, since I, my obsession with her really began in high school when I watched um, the movie starring Selma Hayek. I knew about Frida. Mm. I had seen, I had seen her art, you know, being Latina, just knowing of her, but I didn't really know her true story and what a badass she was until that movie. And that was what for me really just sparked this like 
obsession where I became the, you know, every Christmas, my friends were getting me like the Frida t-shirts, the Frida tote bags, all that stuff. Um, I read all these Frida biographies. Yes, the <laughs> keychains. Cha- oh, you've got to show us your Frida tattoo before we finish the podcast. You know what? I don't. I don't. I made it out. I don't. I'm just messing. <laughs> I thought about it. I'm not going to lie, but I did it. I was like, that, that might be going a little too far. Um, but, <laughs> but yeah, so, and then there, you know, there was this moment where I was just like really agonizing, like, do I write this book? And then I remember asking myself like, okay, what would Frida do in this moment? And I was like, obviously mm. Frida is gonna be like, girl, you better write that book. Um, so mm. I, that, and that was kind of how, like the idea of calling it, what would Frida do? And, um, I ended up deciding that I did want to take on this project, but I was like, there's been so many biographies written about her, so many movies, so many projects. If I am going to contribute to kind of hopefully helping to tell her story to more people, I want to do it in a unique way. So um, eventually came up with this idea of like it being part biography, but also self-help in a way that hopefully will you know, I really wanted to bring her story to, to the younger generation, people who have only seen her quotes on Instagram or maybe have seen the Frida t-shirts, but have no idea who she is and how far ahead of her time she was. But also looking at like, as somebody who loves her, you know, what are the lessons that we can take from her all these years later after her death? You know, we're still seeing her murals on, uh, uh, she's all over Brooklyn. She's all over social media. Um, why is that? And what are the lessons we can learn from her from how far ahead of her time she was? So yeah, that's kind of the, the backstory. I really can't wait to get a copy of this myself and read it. Um, really proud. And how long did it take for you to write this book, if you don't mind me asking? What was your process like, too? Um, it was a year, and that's really fast for a book. Um, let me tell you, because it was like, you know, I... I, w- I wanted more time, but the publisher, like when they saw my initial proposal, they really loved it. And then also they were like, this is a great book for the holidays. So basically it was like a very tight deadline for it to be like done in time for us to get it out for the holidays. Um, so basically like it, it was about a year from like, you know, researching, writing. I, I took about, I, I think I had written, I was been writing and researching for like about six months when I feel like I hit a roadblock and I was like, you know what? I feel like I'm just writing the biography that I said that I didn't want to write. Like I'm not going down this creative route that I wanted to go. And I literally had another moment of like, what would free to do? And I was like, I got to go to Mexico. So I went to Mexico city. No way. I took a week off. Yeah. I took a week off my day job. Um, That was the other thing too. It was just balancing, you know, the day job with doing this. Um, But I took a week off so that I could just solely focus on the book. I went and I stayed in Coyacan. I went to visit La Casa Azul. I went to her house, her, the house she shared with Diego. Wow. I went to like the bookstores. Wow. And I, I was like, try, I was very artsy. I was walking through the street, just like channeling I my inner Frida. Wow. Like, you know, I can and then, see you. Yeah, it, right. You can see. You, I was just walking through the street. like, oh, that's probably the corner where her and Diego XYZ. Um, and then at night, I would just write and write and write. And it was literally the best thing I could have done because... You know, I felt like I was stuck and I had to do something really drastic to really like a also just, you know, to make sure I was doing her justice and making sure I was doing the research because, you know, yes, I'm Latina, but I'm Puerto Rican, right? Frida's Mexican. And I, I wanted to make sure I went to Mexico. I went to Mexico City. I interviewed people. I wanted to make sure it was like as authentic to her and her culture also as possible. So that was a big oh moment. Oh, my God. So this Girl. this sounded like art art imitating life because the book is also called it's what would Frida do a guide to living boldly mm. and here you are 
to get through the book, you had to live boldly. Word. And go yeah. to Mexico. Yeah. Hello. Parallel, <laughs> <laughs> <Hello, laughs> anybody? <laughs> and it's funny. I didn't even, honestly, I didn't realize a lot of those parallels until, like, I started, like, later. Like, after the book was already out and, like, I would, people would ask me questions and I would be like, oh, like, that was kind of bold. Like, the fact that I wrote this book, like, it's just, like, it just started to hit me later. But it was, like, in the moment, I just was like, I got to get this done. Like, how do I, you know, how do I do this as... What is it going to take? And I think that that is a, a kindred spirit with with Frida. What did you find out about Frida after uh, after uh, going to Mexico and doing more research? Was something that you found out that you were surprised? Ooh, um, I think one of my one of my favorite stories was that when I went to the museum, so La Casa Azul, where she used where she grew up and is now a museum dedicated to her life. Um, there, you know, some of the, the the museum workers there basically talk about like how it's allegedly haunted, and you know, people oh. swear that at nighttime they see her clothing move. No way! And, you know, that, that, yeah, and I was like, I wouldn't be surprised, honestly, like knowing all that we know about Frida. But that was one of my favorite stories, where it was just very like, I was like, tell me more. Um, wow, and, interesting. Yeah, and I think a lot of the stories were. were well, are very well known, but like, you know, one of my favorite Frida stories is there is a, she gave up, she was coming off of a plane with Diego and, you know, her husband was the most famous one. He was Diego Rivera. He was this like big international artist and she was just his wife during the time that she was alive. She wasn't known as Frida as we know her now. And she, someone, um, an, a journalist interviewed her and was like, you know, how does it feel to be married to Diego? He's such a famous artist. And she was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Diego's fine for a little boy, but it is I who am the great artist. And like, she Ooh. was like 25, 26. Um, and she wanted to be an artist and she just said it like that and had no, you know, she was, she just was always bold like that. And so that, that there was an article, a newspaper article that that was featured in back in like 1926 or something. And seeing that, like, actually, I got to see that at a library when I was in Mexico City and seeing, like, the original article. That was kind of mind-blowing, being, like, imagining she's Mexicana, she's a woman, it's the 1920s, and she's, like, there in print, like, yeah, anyways, like, I'm the real artist, forget my husband. Like, she was just so far ahead of her time. Wow, you almost get this glow, this, like, your eyes are sparkling <laughs> when you speak of Frida. <laughs> I just think that's intense. I think that in a good way, I think that you connected with her spirit. You went to the motherland where she is from. Oh, that's so inspirational. Okay, I want to talk more about your process, okay? Because you're a seasoned writer. A lot of writers are tuned into this show and want to learn how to better their process or finesse. I shouldn't say better, but just finesse or cultivate, evolve their process, right? Um, what are some tips that you've learned along the way? I mean, writing a novel in a year, that sounds really hard. Uh, what? How do you mm. get into that mental? I hear you, you go, you went to Mexico, but do you open up your laptop and bang, just start? Do you, do you have to <laughs> sip coffee? Do you do yoga? Like, do you do you pray to the Tainos? <laughs> like, do you talk to Atabe or somebody? Or like, what do you? Oh my god! Maybe uh, I don't. I'm like, maybe I should start doing all those things. I might actually. <laughs> 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 um, I don't. You know, I think honestly, this is something that keeps coming up. So I'm like, I feel like it's the same with like working out. It's like discipline like that really that's it it's like i just having a routine it's not sexy it's not like the most artsy sounding thing 
Um, but the thing that I really did learn, and I, I think obviously everyone's different, but for me, it was like, I had to figure out how to do this while also having something else really big in my life, which was like a day job that I, ha- you know, I couldn't drop the ball on that. So it was really like, okay, I work from this hour to this hour. So I have to build in an hour to like come home and eat a little dinner and decompress. And then from this hour to this hour, Monday through Friday, I have to write at least this many words. And then on Saturdays, like for at least for six months, like, sorry, girls can't go to brunch. Like I have to work, you know, I have to work on, I have to work on writing on the book. And it really just took a lot of scheduling and figuring out um, the timing of it. That was all really helpful. But um, I think the other thing too was like, the one thing that wasn't as disciplined was like, sometimes if I just felt like I had an idea or a thought passed through my head, I would just jot it down on my notes app on my phone if I was on the go. Or if I felt like a certain urge to write, I would just like try to open my laptop and just bang out what I was thinking. And then sometimes it would just evolve into like, you know, a few more hundred or thousand words. Um, So all that is to say, I don't know that I have like the most like, you know, effective writing process other than just like, you got to just sit down and you just have to sit down and force yourself sometimes. Mm -hmm. And it's not always going to be, you know, the coolest thing. But I also think to the point about going to Mexico, my thing for writer's block is like, I do think that what's really important is just shaking your routine up. And like, sometimes it is just like, change of scenery or like you know doing something very unexpected um i think that's always been a good thing for me for writer's block is that when you are so disciplined and you have to do things at a certain time in a certain way after a while it's like okay but like how many well how am i supposed to get all this creative energy just sitting in my you know in my bedroom on my laptop you know for weeks at a time so even if it's just go to your starbucks or it's like take a walk unplug for a minute that always really helps me too to just like forget about it for a minute and then come back Oh, really good advice. Um, so, Ariana, in your bio, it uh, it mentions that you've you, throughout your career you've interviewed um, some notable people. You know, uh, Hillary Clinton, Mariah Carey, John Legend, Will Smith. Is there any interview that Maluma, Maluma, Maluma? Yes, um, come on, yo. Oprah, was... you, you mentioned Oprah. <laughs> um, although that probably could have been a work meeting. I don't know. Um, but uh, w- any interview that kind of stands out as uh, as more as memorable. Like when I tell you, I was so nervous to interview Maluma because I was like that man. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. Literally, I. You know, it's so weird. Like I was just, I turned into like a fourteen-year-old girl. I was just like, "Oh my god!" Like I'm gonna talk to Maluma, and it was, and it, it was over. Um, it was on Instagram Live, and that was the other thing. It was like it was live, and he has so many followers. So it was like Instagram Live, and this was during peak pandemic when everyone was doing Instagram Live. So like a lot of people were tuned in, and he was just, I was sweating. Like that was it, just because just looking at. I mean, he's just a beautiful, a beautiful. Man, and just you know, it was, it was hard. It was hard not to get distracted. Um, but other than that, I mean, Hillary Clinton was a really big one because it was. This is when I was working at Refinery Twenty Nine, and Hi. it was right after she released she released her book, What Happened, uh, talking about what happened when she lost the election, and it was one of the first interviews that she had done, um, talking about what happened and how she was feeling about Trump being president and. Refinery29 was the only digital outlet that she gave an interview to. So she did the usual NBC Ooh, wow. and, and CBS and everything. And we were the only digital outlet. So it was a lot of pressure. And I was, I was like shocked that Refinery was like, we want you to do it. I was like, me? Yeah. I'm, like I'm not a politics person. Um, but what was dope about Refinery and what, what, what really helped me there was that they 
they didn't want to be like every other TV outlet. They didn't want just like a typical newscaster or like broadcast journalist, you know, to be on camera. They wanted real women, people like me who, um, you know, look the way that I do and speak the way that I do and aren't necessarily going to be like reporting live from, you know, X, Y, Z. Um, so that was really amazing. But to just kind of be thrown in, <laughs> being like, all right, interviewing Hillary. I did so much research. I read the book front to cover. I took so many notes um, I was really, I, that was probably the, the one interview that I was legitimately like actually really nervous about because it was just like, you know, it was a big deal, but she was amazing. She was very lovely. She made me feel instantly um, comfortable. And I think that was, I learned a lot from, from that experience. I love that. Yeah. It's, it's, it's over. Like I, it would be overwhelming to be like, okay, what's going to be my first kickoff question? You know what I mean? Like, like how how was it being first lady? Yeah. Like, was that crazy? Like, you want to really, like, start off strong and then just kind of, like, get that flow? But, yeah, that would that would be a little scary. And then, yeah, for sure. On, on top of uh, yeah. everything that you do, are you still, are you currently teaching at NYU as well? Uh, not this semester, but in the fall, I do. Yeah, so I, I teach writing and editing for digital um, for the master's program, which is another thing that just, they just, they reached out and I was like, can I really do this? And then I was like, I can't say no to teach, it's NYU. Yeah. Um, and I, it's also wild too, because sometimes I'm like, I'm, first of all, I don't even have a master's. So the fact that they asked me to teach for a master's program was was really an honor. Wow. Um, and, you know, they, they for them, it's like they, they need someone in this role who who's going to be um, teaching from from experience and the experience that I have in journalism and through my career in digital. So, yeah, it's been it's been uh, teaching is a whole other ball game and lesson planning and all that good stuff. But I feel like I learned just as much from my students as, as they learn from me. Um, so it's been great. I love that. Are, are you on the works and writing another novel, Ariana? Working on it. I'm trying. L- discipline. Let me tell you, it's <laughs> hard. Um, but I have, yeah. I, so I want to work on fiction. Is my first love. So if what we're free to do is, you know, is nonfiction. It's based on a, a real person, and it required a lot of research, and that kind of fell into my lap. But my dream since I was a kid is I've always wanted to write a novel, and just I have all these stories in my head that I want to get on paper. So um, I've been working on a little something. But to be honest with you, uh-huh. you know, this today job has been my whole like it's taken up so much brain space and in a great way. So. Um, I haven't had as much time as I would like to work on it, but I'm hoping that like, you know, in the next couple of months, I might get back into it and hopefully you guys will see something soon. I would we'll love Look, After this interview, I, you know, I know you wrote the book, What We're Free To Do. After this interview, listeners are going to be like, what would Ariana do? <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> we want to know more. So keep it coming. Keep it coming. I love yeah. it. I love it. <laughs> well, I am going to ask you, I'm going to request something of you, if you don't mind, because I see you have a copy of the book near. Would you read us an excerpt Ooh. from What Would Frida Do mm. on the Latinos Ooh. Out Loud podcast? Would you do us the Ooh, honor? Would you do us? She's getting like that Rachel glow. She's getting that glow. Oh, because... You guys are gassing me up. Gassing me up. I love it. We, I love it. We want to hear from you. I would love to hear an excerpt. Maybe one of your favorites. Or maybe something you feel is apropos for the moment. Or for the Latinos Out Loud podcast. Whatever your heart mm. desires. But I'm dying to hear an excerpt right now from the author herself. Okay, well, honestly, like one of my favorite parts is literally the first page. So that's what I'm going to read. There it is. Okay, (laughs) let's do it. Um, Okay, so this is from the introduction. 
The streets of Mexico City's southern neighborhood of Coyacan are quiet. Colorful houses with intricate iron gates dot avenues named after cities in Europe, Paris, Berlin, Madrid. Suddenly, on Calle Londres, the stillness is broken. Dozens of people are buzzing about, some standing on their toes to get a glimpse at the front of a line that wraps around the block. From 1907 through 1954, this electric blue house was home to Frida Kahlo. Since 1958, La Casa Azul has been known as the Museo Frida Kahlo, or the Frida Kahlo Museum, a donation from the artist's husband, Diego Rivera, who wanted the home he shared with his wife to become a tribute to her work. And more than six decades after her death, the house still feels full of life. When I first walked through the tall green entryway beneath the words Museo Frida Kahlo, I'm greeted by a large patio surrounded by walls so vibrantly blue they almost hurt the eyes. A jungle-like assortment of greenery and cacti hug the trunks of palm trees that stretch across the sky. Before heading inside, I, small, I spot a small stone bench off to the side and sit down to drink it all in. I close my eyes to focus on the sound of water sprinkling from a fountain. The autumn air is crisp and cool, and the scent of earth and moss clings to my skin. And then, as quickly as it began, my daydream is interrupted by a squeal. A tall, lanky blonde is yelling, excuse me, as she trips over my foot. Apparently, I'm in the way. She's been angling in the spot for a photo. After I shimmy to the side, she strikes the perfect influencer pose as her friend snaps away on her iPhone. As soon as they leave, I sigh with relief. But no sooner does she leave than a, high school, than a group of high school girls and matching Frida Kahlo tees arrive, chattering away in Japanese as they snap selfies. Behind them, the crowd that's being let into the museo has nearly doubled in size. A chorus of accents fills the previously peaceful space as visitors jostle one another, another to try to enter the home. And then we go on and on and on and on. I keep you. Oh, I'm but in it. That's I'm, the, I'm, that's the intro. Oh. I'm setting up. I'm setting up that we're we're going to Frida's house and we're gonna learn how she's so still such a force. I was already I immersed. <laughs> immersed. I was this immersed like, in the story. God, it's like the trailer on Netflix, and you're like, I, I need to watch the series right now. That was great. Well, I felt like I was there with you. I've never been to Casa Azul, but boy, do I want to go now. Well, Ariana, before we go, tell everybody where they could find you. Do you have any news you want to drop before you, you, you leave us? Yeah, so you can find me on Instagram. I'm at Ariana Gab. That's Ariana, one R, two Ns, G-A-B. And I'm on Twitter at Ariana G. Davis. And you can find What We're Free to Do wherever you get your books, Amazon, Barnes & Noble. Um, and I'm really excited because the book is getting ready to drop in Spanish. Que Aria Frida Uepa! is coming out. And it's going to be in right. Spanish and also in uh, hardcover and also as an audiobook. So keep keep an eye out Amazing. For that. Did you voice nice. the audiobook? What? No, oh my gosh. First of all, my Spanish is not good enough. <laughs> Second of all, I don't know if I can do a whole audiobook. No, so um, actually, someone really exciting is voicing the audiobook. I can't say who yet, Ooh, but it's going to be dope. I cannot oh, that means it's wait. Really good. When they can't, when president can't say who, that means. Oh, it's that's really exciting. Good. Exciting. Stay exciting. tuned. Yeah. I, Ariana Davis, thank you so much. Thank you so much wow. for having me. This was so much fun. I really appreciate you guys and, and all the work that you're doing. I love the podcast, so it was an honor to be on. Oh, yes. you guys, yeah, one more time. One more did time it. for author, editorial director, and just go-getter, Ariana Davis, y'all. Yeah. Get it. Get it. Get, get it, it. Get it. Get it. I love it. Jamie, your peoples, yo. That's what's up. Your peoples, brother. Let's do it. Wow, that was an awesome interview, Ariana. 
Ariana Davis. Um, and check out her book, What Would Frida Do? A Guide to Living Boldly in Bookstores. Amazon. Do they still have bookstores? There are some. Amazon. Amazon. You know, support the small <laughs> ones too. Support the family run, the Latino run. Yes. I see Barnes and Noble still. They still. I run. love, I, not just for their bathrooms, because that's the only place in New York City where you can find like a, a, a Ooh, running bathroom, point. a working bathroom. It's always bathroom. pretty clean too. It's not that bad. I mean, you can hang out there. That's the only place you can hang out in the city. Like, you know, when it's cold, go read a yeah, book and shit, hang out. Yo, the only ahead, thing is, if we say the same thing, no, no go. the only thing is that it's always, it's always on the third floor of the, of okay, the bookstore. Okay, I'm an event about BNN as well right now. The only thing for me is you got to be stepping over white people. I'm like, what is this? Uh, why, why the oh, yeah. hell oh, they love are you on the, on the, floor, the huh? freaking floor? Yo. Get off the floor. <laughs> and you got to get to the they bathroom. Got like pin, like, they got like picnic blank. They got like picnic Baskets blankets. Baskets with wine and cheese in the sci-fi section. The fuck is this? You know, like, are you kidding me? They're doing, they're doing their taxes and shit. Uh, I saw somebody, with, like, I saw somebody uh, with a hibachi grill making pancakes and in the magazine nah. section. I'm like, you got to be kidding me right now. You're using the electricity to power up your grill? Come on. <laughs> and then they look at you like you're the weird one like just because you're like literally just like looking for right. a book you know I'm, I'm just looking for a book in this sports section but there's a guy here you know literally likes spread eagle like step oh. over us don't you see we're reading together and scissoring at the same time step over us god oh snap but um but yes if, if you're willing to go through all that go to a bookstore <laughs> If you don't want to do Amazon, you can go to a physical bookstore and and get and pick up, um, and pick up her book. Um, definitely. What would Frida do? What would Frida do? Very empowering. Yeah, it's getting Very great reviews. Very empowering. Getting great reviews. A fresh, sparkling read. Teen Vogue said that it's a fresh, sparkling. I love read. that. That's a good testimonial. Mm. I love a good testimonial. Um, and yeah, this was. A- this was a great episode, I think. I agree with you, Jamie. And even if it weren't, I probably would still agree with you. Uh, but, you know, like, it's great to support these females that are doing their mother effing thing. You know? Yeah. I love her vision Jeez. with the Today Show. And I can't wait to see where she takes it, serving as their editorial director. So shout out to Ariana. So what you're saying is, like, you can't wait to see what she does with the Today Show. Tomorrow. Yes. That's what I'm saying. That was beautifully. That was very poetic what you did with that. It was really poetic. Yeah. I wish I would have said it in front of her. Actually, no. She probably she probably would think that was. She's probably heard so Um, many today, tomorrow jokes by this point. (laughs) Well, guys, um, do we have some shout outs? I believe we do. You want to do some? Uh, yeah, sure do. I think it's time for Hello some Hello Kid action. Let's go. All right, guys, how you doing? This is my uh, my Kelo Ke for this week. Um, yep. I want to give a rest in peace to Emilio Delgado, an actor from Sesame yeah. Street. I don't know if you guys oh, remember. yeah. My man, bro. That, that, come on. That was like my dad growing mm. up, man. 
since 19- he was iconic. He was iconic, sure dude. From 1971, he was on that wow. show. 51 wow. years. Come I can't on. think Salute. of like Big Bird and Grover without him. You know, of course, like not. like he was an integral part of that show growing up, just as much as like you know the the Muppets and the puppets. Right. So he, I mean, he was a Latino and the on the show. So I mean, growing up, you know. You took I took to it right away seeing his face. So, uh, you know, uh. and it showed you that just Sesame Street wasn't, um, you know, was was a diverse was right. a diverse neighborhood. It wasn't, you know, it was a diverse neighborhood. I like that. You know what I mean? <laughs> it was. It was representative, and it was great to see Latinos on that show back then. You know, people that looked like our relatives. So salute. It wasn't gentrified yet. It wasn't mm-hmm. gentrified yet. Wow. <laughs> Karen wasn't around yet? <laughs> oh. <laughs> wow. Uh, but no, that was definitely shout out to him. and, and um, Yeah, man. Love yeah. and light to his soul, man. Uh, and uh, he did his thing over here, man, definitely. And uh, yeah, rest in peace. Word. Thank you. Anything else, Frank? Uh, that's about it. Um, oh, I want to give a shout out to you and to the crew this past oh. week at Uptown Shops. We had the shoe for McDonald's. Woo-hoo. Shout out to Mel. Shout out to Lance. Wendy's. Shout out Wendy's. to uh, everyone. But, Wendy's. But McDonald's is next week. Shout out. So we working. Next we week. Working. My bad. We my flipping bad, burgers, my bad. We make- people. Yeah, we flipping burgers like a mofo. I'm forgetting yeah. everything, man. Shit. Anyway, shout out to everyone. Shout out to you, Rachel. Thank you for the uh, the little uh, part I had there with Celine. It was, uh, it was a Yo, nice Yo, I love, I love yeah. seeing Frank on camera. I love seeing Frank on camera. It's a ele- he. <laughs> Yo, I'm gonna call you out right now. Like you get into an element, you look so happy. You just look like you're happy, like you're having a great time. Just you know, in your in this case, in that like great blazer that you brought, the plaid blazer with you mm. look great. It, uh, the meme is for Thank Wendy's, you. and not to be a spoiler, but it's one of those memes that portrays a couple, Frank being the husband or boyfriend, and the couple just deciding to stay home and chill instead of going to a very fancy event. That they were ready and all decked out to go for, go to rather. And instead, they're home with their Wendy's and they're so happy with it, you know? So you and Zyling wow, look good. That's good awesome. Times. That's awesome. Good time. Anyway, thank Fred. you so much, Rachel, and thank you to the whole crew. It was a good time. Loved thank it. You. Loved it. Let me find out let me find out Frank is uh, you know, going back to the front of the camera. Jamie, I got a check for you. Don't worry about you, it. You man. better get some headshots, dude. <laughs> you need yes. to get some new headshots, yes. bro. Yes, I agree with that. Uh, we're gonna work. We're gonna work on that, guys. Twenty twenty two. I just want to shout out Jerry El Foca and the Men on Pause podcast for their hundredth episode Aye. event. It was uptown at Barrel seventy nine this past Friday. Ja- Jamie mm. was in the building. Jamie, the beers there on tap were really good. I guess that's why they call it barrels. Yeah. Are they have barrels there somewhere because it really tasted like the beer on tap was fresh <laughs> from the barrel. Wow. Um, yeah, it was a cool place. And I, you know, I never actually, I never oh. been to that place. It's in the Heights, but, um, very, very cool yeah, spot. Yeah, yo. Um, and shout out to Jerry for, for, you know, this was a show celebrating his 100th episode of his podcast, Men, Men on Pause. And shout out to P. And, um. The 16th letter. To P. <laughs> and they were hosting it, you know, they brought in some 
really funny um stand Our friend Gloria Lismora uh, was there. Ariana Rodriguez. Uh, the guys from the TJ Squared podcast were up in the building. It was great, right? Stewie, Stewieville was there. I haven't seen him since we shot Cat Callers. My God, it's been like 35 years. Wow. Um, but it was nice <laughs> to see all these comedians gathered under one roof. Shout out to Robert Rios in the building. Um, and... Shout out to all of Jerry's beads and bracelets. Uh, I just want to give those their their separate (laughs) shout out because they deserve one. Um, They were gleaming and glowing just like he was on stage. It was a great event, Frank. It was really dope. I'm so proud of everybody who blessed that stage. And it was just like a great vibe. Shout out to Ramon Pesante in the building. You know what I'm saying? A bunch of our friends. Kelvin Grullon. Kelvin, who I... Can I just shout him out real quick? Because I think by the time this episode comes out, it'll be too late. But our boy Kelvin is DJing the next 9 a.m. banger on St. Patrick's. Uh, Oh, my Lord. Can you... Are you going, Rachel? The only reason why I'm not going is because I'll be caretaking for my dad while my mom is in Florida. So, no, I won't be going. But um, I wish maybe the next next one that I hope that he gets to DJ again and I could see our boy in full effect. How amazing is that? Our boy Kelvin Grullon. Oh, that'd be... Um, okay, Thanks. so please follow me at Rachel La Loca. Follow the show at We Are Latinos Out Loud. Give us a call. No big whoop. 978 Latinos. We may return your phone call. We may play your message on the air. And what up, what up, what up to Yellow.com? Hey. The news and lifestyle platform for Latino Ooh. men. Yes. This is your reminder to check out their Latinas We Love list because they're giving shine. To all the ladies making moves. Ooh, I like that. Yeah, so go to yellow.com, like, right now. On it. Oof. And, yes. <laughs> right now. ASAP. Maybe I should have said that more like, nicely, but, yeah, go right now, please. <laughs> and um, go to my uh, Instagram if you want, jferns, or Twitter, j underscore ferns. And, you know, of course, after every show, we have to thank the people that make this podcast happen. Yes. Behind the scenes. Okay. You know, we got a first shout out Paco de Pablo, our producer supervisor. Who else we got to thank up here? Yo, big shout out to Mitzi. Mitzi, All right. Mitzi Hernandez. Mitzi. Mitzi. Another producer extraordinaire. Uh, Mitzi's with us every week, so we love Mitzi. And of course, last but not least, Augusto! Augusto! Augusto Martinez, Martinez, our audio engineer. What would we do without this guy? I mean, come on, he makes us all sound good. I mean, hello? Yeah, he's amazing. Yeah, he takes, if I'm if I'm sounding like phlegmy or raspy, like he, he fixes it all up. And, and if we need amazing. some sort of guitar accompaniment, <laughs> he plays the guitar for us in editing. Right. I mean, can you beat that? No, yeah. you can't. No, no way. You can't. So we really appreciate all of them. Thank you, guys. And thank you for all you do. And um, so any any last words, y'all? No. Shout out to everybody at Sonoro, at La Familia, the firm down in Mexico City. I like that. The firm, Mexico City. Has a ring to it. (laughs) (laughs) The firm, Mexico City, you know how it is. Yup. Shout out to everybody out there in the hustle and the grind and the side hustle and the side grind and the side side hustle and the side side grind. And the side. You know how it is. And the side boob. 
And the side. Side, side boob. I appreciate a good side boob of my own. It's hard to achieve. I'm telling you, it really is. Um, but when you get one, especially when it's photographed, it feels good. So, uh, again, shout out to our friends, everybody who's doing it. Everybody's out there hustling and grinding. You know, if you're going to sleep at all and you're saying, oh, my God, uh, I could have done more, you know, like I do sometimes. Just know that there's always tomorrow. I'm, I'm beginning to learn. There's always tomorrow. Tomorrow is another day. Always tomorrow. You know? I could have done more. So I'm not going to sleep. But I'm like, I do oh, too much. Oh, word? Jeez. Yeah, I mean, sometimes my body tells me that. They're like, you know, hey, uh, my body's like, we did too much today, girl. Okay, we're very tired. We're going to sleep. I watched I watched way too much YouTube today, so I need to um, chill out a little bit. Word. Yeah, Enjoy. All right, Rachel, you know what time it is. It's time for you to All end right, it off Jamie, right. All right, Jamie, well, on that note, we're out!